the Chair 2 Leaders Podcast with your hosts, Danny Smith and Ben South. If you lead from the second chair or you work with those who do, this is a place for you. We're glad you're here for conversations about the church, ministry, life, and how we can serve better for God's kingdom. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Chair 2 Leaders. I am Ben South here with you this week. Danny is away traveling and working on some places and wasn't able to step on today, but I'm excited about this episode. It's going to be a good conversation, and I think an important and timely conversation as well. So I'm here holding down the fort in Danny's stead. I'm sure he wishes he could be here, and you probably wish he could be here as well, but we'll make it through today without him. But as always, we are very grateful for our sponsor. Central Baptist College is proud. We're proud to have them as a sponsor. Sponsor on the podcast and CBC has a great educational program where you can get involved you can get your students involved if you're in ministry or you could complete the degree that you've started especially through their PACE degree completion program so I want you to go today and check them out at cbc.edu they can help you get started they can help you finish up what you maybe have started in years past they can help you in many different career paths and specifically in ministry. They have a great uh, degree program in ministry and leadership in ministry. So go check them out, Central Baptist College in Conway, Arkansas at cbc.edu. Well, today I told you it's going to be a great episode. I'm excited about this conversation. I have a friend from many years ago in college that is here with us today, and she helps work uh, with the local ministry here. But Maria Spear is with us today, and Maria, welcome to the episode. Thanks, Ben. Excited to be here. Well, tell us a little bit about, I didn't tell everything about you, but tell us just a little bit about your ministry, what you're doing, and what where God has you. Sure. I have been the executive director of a pregnancy resource center for 17 years now here in Conway, and I am honored to serve in that capacity. Pregnancy resource centers offer free services um, to anyone in the community who believes they are pregnant, who knows they're pregnant, or is parenting a young child. Um, And we do this by offering free pregnancy tests, free ultrasound services, parenting and pregnancy education, as well as material items. We also do post-abortion recovery and um, serve women in lots of ways surrounding pregnancy and reproductive care. I didn't realize you had been there so long. I knew you'd been there a while, but I didn't know it was 17 years. Well, y'all have seen yeah. the ministry grow for from what it was and into what you're doing now and how, reaching mm-hmm. into women. I know several in our church have even partnered with your ministry and have worked there off and on through the years. At the timing of this episode, it's why I wanted to have this conversation because when we're recording this, we're still waiting for the Supreme Court's decision to come down on the Dobbs case that may or may not reverse the Roe uh, decision in the courts and send things back to the states. And kind of wanted to talk about, in light of that, how do we as ministers, as ministries and churches, how can we embrace places that are pregnancy resource centers, what are some ways and what are going to be the coming needs? So specifically, let, let's let's start here, Maria. Um, if Roe is reversed through the Dobbs case, what is that going to mean for ministries like the one you lead specifically? Well, I think it's going to depend on where you are in the country, um, because there are pregnancy centers 
all over the world, honestly, and in every state in the United States. So if you're in a state like Arkansas, which has a trigger law, which we hope will make abortion illegal um, if Roe is overturned, then for ministries like ours, it means most likely there's gonna be more of a need for our services. We're gonna see more women who need support with their pregnancy and their and choosing life for their baby. So it's not gonna be something that becomes unnecessary, right? Because we don't provide abortion. And so therefore our doors will stay open if Rose overturned and we will continue to need the support of the community. So your doors will stay open and they may need to be open a little bit wider and a little more often. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, very much so. Um, that's, that's what we're anticipating. So you're anticipating, especially in states with these trigger laws, um, they're termed that way. They just basically, if I understand them correctly, if Roe was to overturn, these laws would immediately go into effect. They would outlaw abortion to some degree or another, depending on the state. And I think like 19 states have those laws. Is that correct? Or even more. I've more. heard a higher number. But again, it kind of depends on what you consider a trigger law as right. well. So for those ongoing services, y'all really plan to see an increase in people walking through your doors, especially if abortion is not an option, because some people may see your organization and Planned Parenthood, for example, as similar type organizations not knowing what they're getting into before they walk through the door. And you'll be the one that's left open after the fact. Right. And the other part of that is we as states that are going to outlaw abortion, we have to be ready with a culture of life, right? Because that is what we want to see happen. And so we have to have the services in place to help these women as they are making a life decision for their baby and also to keep them from crossing state lines to get an abortion elsewhere. And so I think the way that we do that is that we, you know, we're going to increase our advertising, talking about the services that we offer you and that you're not alone and there is support for you and your baby. Um, we do that now, but I think even later um, after Roe, that's going to need to increase more. Yeah. So if Roe was to fall, it's not that, okay, this is not the end. This is the battle's not over. This is really, I would, what Mike could term the end of the beginning. And so mm -hmm. the work really is going to intensify in a lot of ways and the need for the church to step up. So ministries like yours, and maybe yours specifically, if there are people around here who are listening, what are some ways that you, for certain see, hey, we really are going to need churches and ministries to step up in this specific way that maybe haven't needed as much because of the availability of abortions. But now these are going to be some things we specifically are going to need going forward. Right. I think obviously continue, continuing to support your pregnancy center um, monetarily and with the volunteers is still going to be hugely important, especially if our numbers expand and we're serving more and more women, right? So we're going to need more and more hands and more money. Um, but then also, I think there's going to be a space for the church to step into when it comes to adoption, because hopefully some of these women will um, consider adoption. If they don't feel like they're ready for parenthood, um, making an adoption plan for their baby will become maybe a more appealing option in a post-real world. And so I think the church can step into that space and um, 
I pray that it's not necessary, but there are some that are believing that we'll need more foster parents and more people willing to step into that space as well. Um, so I think the church is going to have a great opportunity to put some feet underneath their pro-life convictions. Um, and honestly, I'm excited about that because we have had a bad rep for a long time that we don't actually love these women and their babies. Um, we just have a moral stance about it. And I think the church is going to have this huge opportunity to prove everyone wrong in that. And I'm excited to see that. So in your specific ministry, what are some ways that you are helping mothers? I know you're do counseling, ultrasounds and those things before um, before the birth now to try to convince them to take the baby to term, to have the baby, to not abort the baby. Y'all do some of those mm -hmm. things. Probably some of those things will continue. Um, maybe they won't become as necessary. I don't know, with abortion not as an option easily. I mean, here in Arkansas, I think a majority of the states close by us are going to have some type of trigger law too. So it's going to be a distance to get a legal abortion from someone local. But what are some of those services y'all are already offering? Maybe those post-delivery services that you're providing young mothers, families. What are some of those things that you're doing now that are going to continue and need to increase? Right. So right now we have a um, parenting and pregnancy education program where we bring in community experts to help um, train these young families, young moms about um, nutrition and um, parenting and baby care, labor and delivery. We do all of that um, for them. And then they are able to earn items that they need for their baby, like a brand new car seat and gently used baby clothes and all of those things that a baby needs, right? They have a lot of accessories, as I like to say. So um, we do that. And then we're also very well connected with the other resources in our community. So if housing is a need for her or job placement or things like that, we're helping refer her to places in the community that can meet those needs as well. And so I think especially in a post-roll world, the community knitting together and saying, we're gonna support you and we're gonna walk with you um, and this baby. So I think that's going to be, so there's room for a lot of people to get involved, right? You know, if you're a social worker or you're, you know, your pastor, getting your church and figuring out people in your church who are willing to step in that space and maybe come alongside um, these new moms. So a lot of people that may think, oh, I'm not a nurse. I'm not a trained counselor. I'm not a teacher. I'm not, you know, I don't have a lot of money. Are there still places, just the average Joe can go and volunteer and serve? Sure. Um, I mean, most of us here at Life Choices do not have a huge education, right? Um, we don't have any licensed counselors on staff. We refer out for that service for our clients, but we do have a training procedure in place so that people feel equipped to chat with these women about their situation. And Honestly, there's a huge gap right now and a need for fatherhood um, mentors, you know, um, men to come alongside. And I think that's going to come into play post-row too, because um, now, whereas the men haven't had a chance to be involved, right, because the abortion decision maybe was made without their consent, now they'll have a chance. And so we need to educate fathers as well as mothers. 
So in the past, probably we've thought of supporting organizations like Life Choices, other pregnancy resource centers, as maybe a women's ministry uh, issue from the church. Hey, our women's ministry can help go mm-hmm. over do this. I mean, we do fundraisers, we support as a church, but really the women are the ones who are going to have to go. This really can be a place, and it probably needs to be anyway, where men's ministries can engage and plug in and, and connect because there's probably not very men's ministry men's ministry programs that are connected to pregnancy resource centers are there no not really but it's becoming a thing that we're seeing even across the nation there are fatherhood initiatives beginning um in pro-life movement in pregnancy centers and so um i think this is definitely a space that men could step in too and should have been you're right all along right um, that's god's plan um definitely but um but i think why not let's do that now right like we've got this open door to change almost the fabric of the pro-life movement you know like this everyone could see this as a win and they could sit down but that's not what needs to happen now we need to stand up and surround these women and men and these babies yeah, this is the point when the church, okay, we've been saying for years and years we're pro-life. We think life is important at all stages. Now is when we're really going to have to put our feet to it and our hands to it and begin to say, okay, it wasn't just about babies being born, but it's about preserving and protecting and um, helping lives flourish at every stage. And, and that includes all of us. That's, you know, helping the mothers, the taking care of the needs of the baby and the fathers and homes and families and in, helping to build strong biblical homes for those children. Absolutely. We don't have any idea if Roe is going to fall, when that decision is going to come down. This podcast may or may not play beforehand. We don't know. And we have no idea what's in store. What do you see as some of those things? How do we as church leaders, maybe from your perspective, how can we encourage our people? I know we can advertise, we can put things in bulletins. What are some of the things you may be seeing as effective for mobilizing the church, people in our ministries to get engaged in life issues? That's good. Um, I think being passionate about it as a leader in the church, whether you um, are serve on staff or in a volunteer position, Um, speaking about the issue, making it open to where we can talk about it, because there is a bit of a taboo around the issue of abortion. Um, And so I think talking about it, and the other thing that's going to happen is we are a post-abortive country. Um, 45% of women by the time they reach the age of 45 in America have had an abortion. Now you see stats that say that's more a 33%. So there, it ranges in there. So, but regardless, a third or more are post-abortive. Well, there's also men out there that are post-abortive. And so we may see a need and a for healing in our churches. Um, people are going to need to talk about this because it's raising a lot of emotion. There's, um, we've seen a surge in calls that they're angry. And so we're going to have a lot of emotion around this, regardless of which way it goes. And so I think the church needs to be prepared to come into that space and speak love and healing 
because um, that is going to be needed in a way that I don't know that we're really prepared for. Yeah, and there's segments calling for harshness. Hey, it's and we agree. This abortion is murder. It's killing an innocent right. life, and there is plenty of guilt to go around for who caused it and who did it. But honestly, there's still forgiveness and grace in every one of these situations as well. And so you're most likely church leaders have people in their congregation, in their groups, their Sunday school class, their life group, who have experienced an abortion. And if they haven't, someone in their family probably has. And so it really is important for us to handle it tactfully with grace Without soft-shoeing the wrongness of it, it, I mean, it is wrong, but there's forgiveness, there is hope, and there can be healing post-abortion. Absolutely. And I think that's a message that doesn't get said a lot because I think we're kind of nervous to talk about it. But I think we have to approach everything the way Jesus did, right? Truth and love. And so when we couple those two together, really great things happen. And Um, I personally have been blessed to be a part of our post-abortive healing um, group here at Life Choices um, since I came, so for 17 years. And I've seen women walk in freedom from shame and guilt that they've carried for 30, 20 years. Um, So it is a beautiful thing. And I think it's something that the church um, would be blessed by um, if we were brave enough to enter the space and do it. Um, so I think that that's a need. I think also just being willing to embrace these young moms and dads, you know, and include them in your fellowship. Not that that doesn't happen, but I think sometimes we don't know how to react if it's an out of wedlock, you know, pregnancy. And we're, we're nervous because we don't want to say, well, that's fine to have premarital sex, but at the same time, we don't maybe extend the love like we should. Um, because remember, I mean, that's a sin, just like your sin of, you know, whatever your pet sin is. And so we have to be open and gracious when those situations happen. And this is all regardless of rope, right? Post-abortion healing, loving the, un, you know, those who find themselves in an unplanned pregnancy situation, the single moms that enter your church that maybe they need childcare for everything that happens. Like, let's talk about, you know, they can't come to the event because there's no childcare. Well, what if we worked on childcare? Like there's some really easy ways that we can figure out how to make them feel loved and supported um, in the church that wouldn't break the bank. Yeah. I think that's one of the things we do have to realize you, you touched on something there that even if Roe falls, we know this isn't the end of the pro-life movement. It still is necessary. We need to be engaged in this. But whether or not it does, the the ministry to those who have gone through the trauma of abortion, whether they realize it was traumatic or not, um, that's going to be there for years and decades, um, for generations maybe, the impact of that. And that's there's a huge need there for recovery, for grief counseling, for walking people through how do I deal with this sin in my past, this issue that I've been a part of for whatever reason. And that's for mothers and fathers and for 
all of those who have been touched by abortion, um, there's a great need to really reach out and minister to those people. And it's going to be around for decades. And there are some great resources for that um, that I could definitely put people in contact with if that's something you're interested yeah, what, in doing. Quickly, what would be a couple of those resources? Are there some online things or what, what would be mm-hmm. some of those resources? Um, one online that I'm thinking of right now is um, by Rama International. So it's R-A-M-A-H International. And she has her entire healing online that you can do. Um there's also Surrendering the Secret is one that's out there. I think that's put out by the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, and then there's a new option in several states. It's in Tennessee and Arkansas, I know, but it's called Deeper Still. And it's a weekend healing retreat. And all of this is scripture-based. It's all, um, really, it's walking through the grieving process with someone. Um, and we use... Um, her choice to heal, which is the Rama International book, um, and we take we do a week at a time and walk someone through the chapters and the workbook. But again, there are options that don't take that long that someone could reach out and find. Those are great tools, and we'll try to put some links to those in the show notes for uh, those resources because those are going to be important things coming forward in ministry. I think is having access to those tools to resources. Now we are blessed here. Now we live in a, a town that probably has more than more people who consider abortion because of the demographics of our city with the colleges here, um, mm-hmm. and we're very blessed to have a ministry like Life Choices locally. If somebody listening is in a community that maybe they don't have a local place or it's a great distance what are some quick not quick but what are some things easy things maybe a ministry or church could start locally just to start the process of of being available for people who are dealing with considering abortion because most especially if you're in a rural area or outside they're not going to have access to an ultrasound machine those kind of things what are some little things that maybe someone in a more rural context or that's a distance from a pregnancy resource center could do to minister to these people in their community? I think, first of all, reach out and see where your nearest pregnancy center is, because um, some pregnancy centers, especially those that are closer to rural areas, they even have mobile units that they can send out that have ultrasound on them. So you might could partner with that pregnancy center and they could plan to be in your town, you know, one Friday a month or a couple of Fridays a month. So Getting creative with the pregnancy center that's closest to you, I think, is a a great first step and figuring out, you know, what ways they can maybe help you and partner or even maybe they would come up and host parenting classes at your church and you could advertise that in the community. So um, I think partnering with the one that's closest to you is a great first step. Um, And then to maybe you do, maybe you open like a resource closet where you have baby items and diapers and formula, if you can get your hands on it right now. Um, But, and you open that up to the community once a week, or you include that with your food pantry, if you're already doing a food pantry ministry. Like, because I, again, I think resources are going to be really important, especially in those states where abortion is no longer an option. Well, we say that. This is what I want to tell you too, because I think a lot of people who aren't in this space have no idea the abortion pill is going to become a huge demand in the states where abortion is illegal. So reaching people 
um, with the message of if you were to get pregnant, there's resources for you so that people aren't panicking and ordering these pills from the black market online that we don't know what it's going to do um, really. And so that is going to be ever present with us for a while. And they're trying to figure out how to legislate against that. I'm not sure what that's going to look like, but that as Christians, we need to know that's still out there. And then of course, there's going to be states that um, right now, California and New York are saying they'll pay for you to get there. They'll pay to put you in a hotel. They'll pay for your abortion. So we're going to have to combat things like that. And I think the only way we do that is by standing up and saying, we have resources for you and we'll walk with you. Yeah, that's true. And when you talk about states doing that, the truth is if somebody wants to have an abortion strongly enough, there are going to be ways they can get there and get it done, um, which is a horrible thing to think about. And so it's not just, hey, we've stopped the procedures here in our state. We've got to work on changing the the idea and the understanding where abortion is not just illegal in places, but it's it's unthinkable in the minds of the people. That's a whole different mindset than making it illegal and changing it where they don't even want to consider it as an option. And I, abortion is a heart issue, right? It's, it's always been a heart issue. And um, it's not a political issue. It's a heart issue. And so I think we have to continue to talk to people on a heart level, um, which is what I love about Pregnancy Center Ministry. It is very like hands-on walking with that person, hearing their story. And I think if the church can do that with these people that are considering abortion, that's going to make a huge difference. And then we talked about the post-abortive need and healing. What if I think the most powerful stories in this arena are those of the post-abortive? So if you have someone who has gone through healing in your church and they're willing to share their story, let's do that. Because then you have people who maybe that changes their perception of abortion, because what the left tells us is this is good for women. This is good for everybody. This is choice. This is good. And so when you have someone standing up there saying, I made that choice and it's been really bad for me. And these are the ways and these are the things it causes you to question what you've been told. And so I think giving the post-abortive a platform to speak um, could change everything. Yes, and that's that's a difficult thing because even getting people to admit they've had it, especially within the church context, is difficult because there is still guilt, there is shame, and we've not made it necessarily the safest place to admit well, not just that wrong, any sin. We, I mean, we're not real good at admitting we are messed up people. So yeah. we have to work on making it a safe place for them to do that where they know they're still loved, they're still valued, and their experience gives them a voice into this to call others up and to challenge them and to do good and godly things. And God can take what was an awful thing, what was terrible and what was wrong, and still use it for good and for his glory. And I've seen him do that over the years. Like I've been blessed to be on the front row um, yeah. watching him do that in people's lives. And so I would just say, again, your Pregnancy Resource Center is probably going to have people who are willing to come and share testimonies like that, which may create that space in your church for healing to start happening and openness to happen around this subject. Yeah. So is there is there like a national database or a place or maybe even some online resources that if you have some, I don't want to go to a center, 
I don't, I don't want to go to like to a, a live choices. If somebody in your church said that that they could go online get some resources, is there some good like clearinghouse type places where you could go online get that information? Like about post-abortion recovery, uh, either that or people who might be considering abortion, where they could oh. go um, that, mm -hmm. and then maybe even as a minister connect to different organizations around the nation. Right. I mean, Focus on the Family has a ton of um, resources surrounding the pro-life issue. Um, we actually get a lot of our brochures from them. They have some really great material. And I would say they're one resource. There is um, most of the pregnancy center websites have a lot of information on it. Ours does about the abortion procedures, the risk. So if you are in doubt about what, let's say someone comes to you and you're like, they're like, I want to have an abortion. Um, I mean, our website, lifechoicesinc.org has all of that information there that you could share with them. Um, and a lot of the pregnancy resource uh, websites do are that full of information for people. So I would say um, those are two really good options. And I mean, if there's a specific thing that someone was curious about, I mean, I'm always happy to, you know, share the resources that I'm aware of. Um, so if that ever is a need. Yeah. And we'll put the link to y'all's website there in the show notes and they can contact you, I assume, through through the website there and can get any help or resources and maybe even help them connect to a pregnancy resource center in their area if they're not aware. I'm sure you would be able to do Yes, that. and there is a search um, website that we um, girls use um, nationally to find the pregnancy center nearest them, but y'all could use it as well to find the pregnancy center near you. So it's optionline.org. Um, and we'll that, that is a, well. yes, and there's a chat box feature. Like it's Great. it's a fabulous website. Great. We'll put all those links in the show notes. Well, Maria, I appreciate you joining us today. I, we, I wish we could talk a little bit longer, but we don't want everybody to have to spend their whole day listening to me talk. So, but I, I can tell your your passion. I hear your heart for this issue, and I thank you for the work you are doing and the work that Life Choices has done in our community and the impact you're having on so many lives. And the truth is, there are thousands of people like Maria around our country who are giving their time, their effort, their energies to saving lives and to building a culture of life in our nation. So from us at Charity Leaders and from me personally, thank you for what you do in our community. Um, and I hope those who are listening, you'll take some time uh, to see where you as a minister, as a church can get engaged and, and put your talk with what we've said so long that we support life and that we get behind this and support the people in our communities. So Maria, thanks for joining us. Any last words, anything you'd like to say today? No, I would just say, you know, reach out to your local pregnancy center and partner. Great word. Partner up, get involved. Get there somewhere and there's probably people in your church waiting to get connected somewhere and we love even some of the men that don't know and they could make a difference in the lives of some young fathers and, and make a difference in your city. So thanks for listening to us this week. Make sure you share this episode, like and reply and comment wherever you get your podcast that helps other people find this as well. I hope you have a great week and we'll catch you next time. You've been listening to Chair 2 Leaders. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for the latest updates, and make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to Chair 2 Leaders wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening.